Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy here with my first cup of coffee. First sip, so good. London fog still probably will be for a while. Today is November 12th. It's about 7.45 in the morning. A very wintry morning here in Santa Fe. Uh, we had the storm come in yesterday, uh, full of wind and iciness. Started snowing in the afternoon, snowed pretty hard. Um, David did not go out driving this morning because the roads were listed as difficult driving conditions. And we've had plenty of that uh, in our lives. The, um, sorry, I'm readjusting the mic here. I don't like the way it's sitting on my jacket. <laughs> and I was afraid it was going to make woofy noises on there. It's a technical term from us podcasters. Woofy noises. Um, yeah, we lived in Wyoming for over 20 years, which I think probably a lot of people don't know about me now. Uh, I've been in Santa Fe for nine years. Uh, but yeah, we lived in Wyoming for a very long time and did a lot of driving back and forth to various classes and stuff, teaching and, uh, you know, and in the way Wyoming is, I don't know why. We used to joke about that once you'd go over the border from Colorado into Wyoming, that uh, it was like whoever had originally drawn that border had some sort of prescient knowledge and I mean, the weather would alter dramatically. You'd go across the state line and the wind would hit you. There were times that I would be on the highway and I'd go over the state line into Wyoming, be on black ice, wind would hit me sideways and just push my car literally sideways across the highway. Um, I drove on more black ice. For those of you who don't know, I guess there are like people who live in places where they don't know what black ice is. But uh, black ice is ice that's on the road but you can't see it. It's formed in a particular way that it's not refractive. So mostly you feel it. Um, and it's also hugely slick. It's way more slick than any other kind of ice. Uh, and we would get ground blizzards where the wind would blow the snow across the highway and it would look like um, ghosts or fog. It was really an extraordinary thing, uh, the ground blizzards. Uh, and I even wrote an essay. I think one of the essays in Wyoming Trucks True Love on the Weather Channel is called Ground Blizzards. And it's about not being able to see the road you're on. Yeah. We, um, yeah, we drove on a lot of bad roads for a long time. And it was stressful. And, and you end up being part of this kind of... Wyoming frontier mentality, which sort of dictates that you don't let anything stop you. And to some extent, you need that. Because if you don't go somewhere, if you don't go out every time the roads are bad, then you end up not doing much of anything at all. Um, but sort of the, I don't know, natural extension or overextension of that attitude becomes the, we like it cold, we like the roads, I see, uh, nothing gets us down. And you end up <laughs> driving on these highways where you think, 
this is really stupid. I should not be on this road right now. This was a really dumb decision. I should be at home. And for David and I, a big turning point. Uh, I've talked about this with some people, but it's you know interesting to revisit. We had um, a couple of friends, people we'd worked with for a very long time. David worked with Game and Fish. I was trained as a biologist, and I worked as a biologist for a long time. It's funny, somebody said something to me the other day because I have a, um, I have a bobcat paw on my keychain um, because I do identify with cats. I would have liked to get a lynx, but lynx are endangered, so, you know, um, I have a bobcat paw. And uh, somebody said to me that they never thought of me as a taxidermy person, which I think what she was trying to say is, <laughs> not a, you know, obviously I don't do taxidermy, but not the sort of person who would have an, an animal part. You know, and some people are very taken aback that I have this. Um, but, you know, I I love animals. I've always been tremendously into animals. And for me, part of that is having the fetishes of the, the animals around me. And that's a Wyoming bobcat. It's a paw that I bought in northern Wyoming. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little bit froggy this morning. That shift in the weather, right? So, so yeah, I mean, I I am that person. <laughs> it's funny, um, that's been coming up for me a lot lately, and maybe because I'm so thoroughly um, my author self now, and people identify me with the heels and the clothes and the hats and the makeup and the what have you. But, you know, I was a field biologist for many, many years. I am actually very good in the field. I can camp and I can hike and I am, uh, I, I can hold my own with the outdoors women. Um, and then I enjoy that. I love being out in nature. I don't do it so much anymore because I also like being comfortable. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so we were living in Wyoming and doing all this stuff. We've been there for a long time. And the winters where we lived in Laramie were brutal. And we had these good friends uh, through Wyoming Game and Fish, uh, Tom Thorne and Beth Williams. And Tom and Beth were both trained as veterinarians and wildlife biologists. And Tom Thorne worked extensively on uh, the black-footed ferret reintroduction. And Beth Williams worked on what became known as mad cow disease and its uh, sort of transmission into the wild elk populations in Wyoming. Uh, and it was not a big town. It was, you know, 26,000 people, um, including the University of Wyoming. So in the summertime, you know, you'd have like maybe 10,000 people in town uh, because were, all the students would go home. And in the wintertime, we were about an hour's drive from the next biggest cities, those being Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Fort Collins, Colorado. Denver was two hours' drive away. And sometimes the roads would close. We would Sometimes the roads would be closed for three, four, or five days at a time because of snow and ice. So it was a semi-isolated place to live. And those of us who worked in the wildlife community at the university the Game and Fish Laboratory where David worked and where I worked for a while uh, was located on the University of Wyoming, Wyoming campus, beautiful campus. 
And so, you know, we socialized a lot with Tom and Beth. And they were both, yeah, well, listen to that, I get a little emotional. And they were both um, such smart people. Um, I'm surprised I'm this emotional about it. Very intelligent people, kind people, and hugely devoted to preserving wildlife. <laughs> Funny that I'm feeling like this right now. So, uh, at any rate, Tom and Beth were on their way back from vacation. Uh, they'd been in St. Martin, one of their favorite places, and had flown into Denver, and were driving back to Laramie late at night. Um, hit black ice. Car slid underneath a jackknifed semi-tractor trailer, and they were both instantly killed. It was an enormous loss. Enormous loss to the community and for us. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I'm surprised I'm, I'm emotional about it, so I apologize. But it was a big wake-up call for us because we are like, why are we doing this? Why are we putting ourselves into this kind of strife and danger? Going after a certain point, that uh, frontier mentality just doesn't doesn't do it anymore, right? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, you could be super tough. But, uh, you know, that was one of the things was that uh, Tom Thorne was driving and he was the most pedantic and annoying of drivers in that he would always drive so slow. David would complain about us sometimes, you know, and Tom Thorne behind the wheel, you know, it'd take you forever to get anywhere because he would just always go so slowly and so carefully. You know, so it can hit anyone at any time. Yeah. So anyway, that was a big thing about, for me, um, can't remember why I really got started on the winters and yeah well with David seeing you know it's difficult driving conditions this morning it's like heck stay home you know don't go out and Uber because you know you have to decide what things are worth it and some things are are not worth it so that was a big factor for us in deciding to change our lives and move down to Santa Fe where you know even though we do have this winter it's nothing, nothing compared to what we went through before. So that was, uh, you know, it, it, I remember the very first Thanksgiving that after we moved to Santa Fe and we drove to Tucson to see my folks for Thanksgiving. And it was like the first Thanksgiving in 20 years where we had not had to contend with blizzards. <laughs> we didn't have to be watching the weather and figuring out our timing for leaving town. It was just like sunny and clear dry roads the whole way. Um, really an amazing thing how that wears on you and the choices you make. And so, yeah, it's a funny thing about, you know, friendships and how they come and go in your life and the people who matter to you and, I, you all know that I talk a whole lot about the whole point of networking, that the, that the real word for networking is making friends. 
and I think, I don't know, I've been running into this lately uh, where, uh, you know, we, all, we always advise authors, I advise authors to make friends with authors who are farther along the path than you are and, uh, you know, let them help you. And I'm happy to help people. I've, I definitely enjoy reaching out and assisting people um, doing what I can to help. Um, and it's a funny thing because I'm at this point now where uh, people find my help valuable, which is fine. But the, I don't know, I seem to be hitting this thing where people are upset with me that I'm not... Um, I don't know, that I'm better friends with some people than with others. And and it's puzzling to me because, I mean, that's part of life. You know, we're always going to have some people who are, that we click with, who are better friends to us than other people. And it doesn't mean that I'm not friendly with you and happy to spend time with you. But, you know, someone who's a very close friend, you know, it's I'm just going to feel differently about them. Uh, but also, you know, there's this idea, I'm trying to think of how to put this, um, you know, people want me to help them, which I'm happy to do, but they don't seem to think about being a friend to me. And I think that this is, is a huge thing. Uh, you know, like maybe, Maybe younger authors look at authors farther down the path and think that they don't need uh, support, that they don't need help. Um, but but everybody does. You know, everybody needs friendship. Everybody needs their communities and their networks and uh, the support, the loving support of other people. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of being a human being, right? So I think this is a, a key part of this idea of that networking is about making friends. You know, if if you want someone to help you out, if you want, you know, them to be a mentor to you or be a, a guide or so forth, then think about being friends with them, being a good friend to them. You know, and maybe this is something that, uh, you know, we don't really know how to do. It's certainly not something that we're taught how to do, how to be a good friend to somebody else. But, you know, a, a friendship means being there for them. It means asking about their lives and knowing things about them uh, rather than going with who you assume they are or how they feel. Um, you know, the the authors that are, you know, the up-and-coming authors who become my friends are the ones who, you know, express a lot of interest in, in me and in my life and ask me how I'm doing. And they ask how my books are coming along. And when my books are releasing, they they celebrate that with me and they help and they you know, 
want to meet me for drinks or dinner and have conversations with me. You know, it's, um, it's funny how to me that there are some people who like, you know, say that they want to be my friend, but then they don't want to actually spend time with me. And I don't understand that. I think that if you, if you, if you want to be my friend, then theoretically you should like me enough to want to spend time with me. And, you know, I certainly don't expect everybody to like me and I don't expect everyone to want to spend time with me. I mean, certainly I don't want to spend time with everybody. I know there are people I don't care to spend time with, but then I don't really consider them to be friends. I don't call them, you know, I don't say, oh, you're my friend. And, you know, I want you to be my friend and I want to get together with you and then not do it. And I, I suppose, uh, you know, that all of this is a reflection in some sense of my idealism that I retain despite everything else, uh, you know, that I'm perfectly well aware intellectually, I guess, that there are people out there who, um, you know, are pretty, are self-interested and they pretend to be friends with you in order to get something from you. And I certainly see this happen to other authors. Um, yeah, I could, I could tell you stories. I can't, I can't actually tell you the stories because they're private stories. But, um, yeah, I have friends who are successful authors, um, who have people kind of latch onto them and, use them I mean relentlessly use them to the point where I like picture them like these fat leeches sort of with their fangs sunk into this person's flesh and they're just sort of hanging on and sucking and um yeah I you know is that too extreme to put it that way but I see it happening to other people so I I have to be aware that uh even though I'm not hugely successful as some of them are that I might have enough success that that I do get some of that, and so so there we are. You know that that is my uh, my benchmark. I guess is if you say you want to be my friend, then I expect you to want to spend time with me, and and there are plenty of people uh, who who make that effort and. Um, you know, some of you out there listening, I know Evergreen, you listen a lot. Um, and, you know, working hard to to make your own writing career happen. And whenever I see you, you make an effort to spend time with me. Um, and and seem to, you know, at least do a nice job of faking enjoyment. <laughs> no, I mean, Evergreen did a, a wonderful thing for us when we were at... Uh, RWA in Orlando uh, took us out to Disney, um, got us in and took us on passes and gave us the insider's tour. Oh, no, we went to Epcot. That's right. We went to Epcot Center, got the insider's tour of Epcot Center and took us to all these great places and, I mean, spent the whole day with us. And it was a, a, a lovely thing to do. And I don't expect people to, like, give me free passes to stuff and spend an entire day, you know, give up their whole day. But, you know, yeah, if if you say you want to be my friend, then actually spend time with me. This is coming from a place of someone I understand who is upset with me that I uh, 
have not been more of a friend to them and have been friendlier with someone else. And this person has like never asked me to do anything social with them. You know, never said, Hey, you want to grab a drink? You want to meet for lunch? Uh, I'm going to be in Santa Fe. Would you like to join us while we walk around the shops and that sort of thing? And, you know, maybe people feel like they're imposing. I could see that, but you know, it's, if you want to have a friend, you have to be a friend, right? It goes back to that whole little, what do they call that? I can't think of the word right now. When, you know, it's, you know, like where you flip it around. I can't think of the phrase, you know, but it, anyway, it's that whole thing. If you want to have a friend, be a friend. But I think that's very true. You know, if you want people to do things for you, then, you know, maybe do something for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... A funny um, talk this morning. I didn't expect to be that emotional, but, you know, Godspeed Tom and Beth. And, you know, Godspeed to you all. It's uh, Veterans Day here in the U.S., so maybe that's part of it. A lot of emotion in the air, honoring our fallen, uh, those who've served. Uh, I don't much care for that because... I don't like glorifying war. I don't think that war is a glorious thing. And my da- my dad, my birth father, who died when I was three, was in the Air Force and died uh, while serving. And, you know, it's we miss him. It's too bad that that happened. It's, but so life goes, right? Or so death goes. So anyway, I uh, did not mean for that to be a downer today. I hope that <clears throat> a lot of you have today off. It's a three-day weekend here in the U.S., uh, so I hope you're enjoying that. And go out and do something special. Enjoy your day. Uh, savor your friendships. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Bye-bye.